Hi, this is Kathy Burgett from Beyond the Chicken Coop, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode 259 with Kathy from Beyond the Chicken Coop, and we are going to have a fun chat about updating old content today. Kathy has been blogging at Beyond the Chicken Coop since January 2015. Until this June, Kathy was a full-time elementary school principal. She was able to take an early retirement this year and become a full-time food blogger. That's so exciting. Kathy and her husband live on a small country farm, and the blog features a lot of what they do. Kathy and her husband have three grown children. This is such a relevant topic to discuss right now, I feel like, Kathy, and I'm super excited to hear more about your story and your take on this. But first, we all want to hear your fun fact. Right. Hi, Megan. Thanks so much. So my fun fact is we do live on a small country farm and raise our own farm animals. Um, and one year we decided to raise turkeys. And um, the advice we were getting from everybody was make certain that the turkeys are really full grown because they'll look really big, but they're really just a lot of feathers. And when you go to butcher them, there'll be really nothing there and it'll be the size of a chicken. And so I I took that to heart and um, wouldn't let my, my husband get near him for quite a while. I finally gave him the go ahead and was all was said and done. And he brought the turkey in. Um, we didn't have a problem with our turkeys being too small. When everything was done, the feathers were removed and it was ready to go. Our turkey weighed 43 pounds. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was massive. <laughs> That has to be some sort of turkey record. That's crazy. It was, and it was a challenge to try to cook that that turkey up too, but we did, and it was good. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. I hope you have pictures of that turkey. <laughs> well, I do, but it was probably about three months before it was all said and done, and so it, it, it looked big, but it, we didn't get any pictures actually once it was like in the oven or anything like that. So, Oh my gosh, I'm just picturing this absolutely <laughs> gigantic turkey sitting on a table ready to be eaten. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I think food bloggers will definitely appreciate that fun fact. That was great. Uh, okay, let's talk about updating old content. I love your story about, first of all, how you were able to leave your job as a school principal um, to become a full-time food blogger. So congratulations on that. That was very recent, right? Yes, thank you. Yeah, that was the end of last school year in June. Um, and so still trying to adjust to being a full-time blogger, but definitely loving it. Yeah. How long were you a principal? Mm, about 13 years and 27 years altogether as a teacher and a principal. Oh, wow. And I can imagine that during the pandemic times that being a principal maybe was a little bit more challenging. Definitely. I mean, you didn't have any history of what to go on. And so you were just trying to work things and do the best we could. We were fortunate last year, though, we were able to meet in person. It just looked very different than um, it had in years past. Oh, well, I respect you for that work because, my goodness, I don't know. Every time I go into my boys' schools, I'm always just like, thank you, teachers and principals, for all that you do. You guys are amazing. So oh, thank you. Um, but work. glad. To, yes, it is great work. It's heart work, right? Like you have uh-huh. to really do it with your heart. Um, but we're happy to have you now in the food blogger realm. So happy to have you here doing that. And I want to hear your story about updating. So why did you decide you were going to start updating your content? Can you talk through that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started my food blog, it was a total hobby and I really knew nothing about blogging um, or writing posts. And so much has changed over that time and evolved. I think not only just with my knowledge, but what our readers are looking for and wanting. And then along with that, what Google, they adapt to what our readers and users are doing. So the algorithms have really changed. So I have about 500 blog posts on my blog. And when I look at my traffic has increased year over year, but when I really dive in and look at the analytics, most of that traffic is just coming from a handful of posts. And when I look at it further, there are several posts on there, um, when especially looking at organic traffic, um, which would be primarily from Google. There are posts that get in the last three to six months that don't get any traffic from Google at all. And a lot of them don't even, the keywords don't even uh, rank on there um, when you look at the Google Analytics or in the Search Console. Um, so really looking at what can I do to work smarter, not always harder, and I have such great content. How can I put that better to use? Um, within Google, if you have things that really aren't getting traffic, it can really weigh your site down overall. So really wanting to update that to see, can I create things that use these existing posts to make them better and, and work better for me? Uh, that is so true. And that's a lesson I learned the hard way that that content that was just kind of sitting out there, not getting any traction at all was actually like a giant brick tied to my ankle, like my blog's ankle weighing it down. And I never saw it that way because when I started blogging, it was like, put as much content out as you want. It doesn't really matter what the quality is, like the more the better. And that was my mindset for so long. So once I realized like you did that, oh, there's all of this stuff that is kind of not doing anything then I too realized that I needed to start going through. So where did you start? Well, I started, I had an audit uh, last February with Casey Marquis from MediaWise, and he really opened my eyes to looking at that content overall. So I started with looking at the post. I looked in Google Search Console and looked at pages that had absolutely no um, Google traffic in the last three to six months. Um, and really, once you look at that, you have three choices. Is it content you want to keep? If it's not, then you'll want to delete it off. Um, if it's something you want to keep, do you, is, is it worth updating and making it richer? Or do you want to no index it? And for me right now, I'm really looking at updating my content because I don't think it's an option for me to delete my content off. I don't feel like that's in my best interest. And I'm not ready to no index it at this point in time. Um, but I'm not just looking at those posts that have no traffic. I'm also looking at the posts that are in the middle that are getting some traffic. How can I improve those? And then even the ones that are maybe at the bottom of page one, top of page two, and how can I improve those? Because we know that most organic traffic is really going to come from those top three posts. So is there something I can do to those posts to help rich make it richer so that they're um, ranking higher on each page? So with 500 blog posts, you've got to kind of come up with a schedule, right? You can't just dig into it all, although I'm sure you wish you could, like just yeah. wave your magic wand and get rid of or fix everything. Uh, so how do you go about doing this? Well, the first thing I did, I think getting started is, it is, is the hardest part. The first thing I did was I created a spreadsheet with all of my blog posts and I did use a... Um, 
a quick plugin that was called export all URLs. And you literally create, uh, add that plugin. You can download all your, all your content to a spreadsheet. Um, and then once I had that, and then you quickly delete that plugin, it's done. Um, once I had that spreadsheet, I created myself several columns of things that I thought were going to be important. And I'm continually adding to that. And I, uh, it includes the date that the, the, um, the page or the post was published. Um, when did I update to, um, when did I make some updates? Have I created new images on there? And I just create this spreadsheet and then I just start diving into post. For me, I do have a list of ones that I want to work on, but sometimes it's also which ones are the opportunity is best for it. So like for this past weekend, I, um, was making brunch for my family and was going to make biscuits and gravy. And both of those, I had buttermilk biscuits and then biscuits and gravy recipe with a sausage gravy, both needed to be updated. And since I had that opportunity to do that, I just did both, made sure I captured pictures, um, fed my family, and then was able to get back on the computer and update those posts. So I have a list of things that need to be updated, ones I want to update. And then sometimes it's just what is the best opportunity right now to get something that, that that's done? And if you can kill two birds with one stone, even better, right? Like, oh, absolutely. I've got to feed my family anyway, so let's make this. And the spreadsheet, I feel like, is absolute key and gold. If you do have a lot of content like you, Kathy, and me, you absolutely need some way to track it. I, I cannot imagine going through my content without a spreadsheet. Right. And that's relatively new for me. And I used to think, oh, I'll remember when I did what. And you can remember part of it. Uh, and a lot of it is documented within the blog post, but it's so easy to lose track. My spreadsheet, once I feel like I have optimized a post to the best it can, I highlight each row in a green, which means, yay, good to go. You're, 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 you're on the right track. And it's a great visual to look at, too, of where am I at. Yes. Oh, I love the color coding. I rely on that so much too. Green is like, yay. And I have like a droopy little red color and I have grays in there too. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. So talk about what you do on each post as you comb through it. I'm sure they're all at maybe various stages, but let's say you have a post that just needs a, a complete overhaul. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Well, the first thing I do is I do use a plugin called... Um, duplicate post and I create a duplicate post of it so I can work within that blog post without actually affecting it in this live state and um, I like to do that because I can't always get a whole post done in one day and yet I want to be able to save it and so I'll go in and I create that that duplicate usually the first thing that needs to happen is I have to change it from classic mode to block mode um, and then I look at everything that's on there um, have I updated all of the shots? My original post mostly just had finished shots of a, of a, a recipe. So now I'm making sure I had ingredient shots, process shots, step-by-step -step photos. Um, I'm adding in recipe tips and frequently asked questions. Um, I'm removing a lot of the multiple shots that I had. Some of my blog posts, I'd have, um, six finished dishes or po pictures, images of my finished dish. And I don't think I need that many in there anymore. So as much as I love some of those images, they're just not necessary. <laughs> A little overkill, right? Yeah. I think we, we have all done that. So it's not just you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
I'm making sure that the images are updated to at least 1200 pixels wide. And that's really um, best practices right now, especially to be in, in uh, Google Discover. Um, Let's see, I'm removing some, some of the information that's really non-recipe related. Seems like when I first started, there was a, uh, the, the style of writing then was a lot of journaling about what was happening in my life, uh, what happened on the weekend. And some of it had nothing to pertain to a recipe I was making. So if I'm finding it really irrelevant, I'm removing a lot of that content. I still sometimes want to have that personal touch in there, but I have to ask myself, is it necessary and does it add to this, this blog post? Um, as I'm updating photos, I'm looking at those alt tags, making sure that it really um, hits, that I'm describing the image, that I'm using the accessibility standards that are out there. And then looking at the overall flow. How does it all flow? Does it make sense? And looking at it, trying to look at it as if somebody is a novice cook, will this make sense for them? So trying to just add as much information I can for all different types of users. I think that is such a key point to make and something that we overlook. Just giving the post a new perspective or looking at the post from a new perspective because we're in our content all the time and we're the ones creating it and we can get kind of lost. Like, well, of course this is great. I created it. But to take a little bit of a step back and just look at it like someone fresh is seeing this, what is missing and what could I add to add value? Every single time I do that, I find something. I agree. I agree. One other piece that I look at is I want to make sure that that blog post has internal linking to other blog posts that are relevant and that I've also linked to that post. So um, within your dashboard in WordPress, you, if you use the Yoast SEO plugin, um, it'll tell you how many times you've linked in or linked out to that. And it's really important that we are using internal links to pull everything together. I would always forget once I posted a new post to, because we always take new posts and we put existing links in there, right? But we also need to remember to put the new post in other posts, if that makes sense, like linking to it from other places on our blogs. Right, right. Af right after we publish a post, that should be one of the first things we do. And sometimes it's challenging. What you know, where does this naturally fit? And but it is probably one of the strongest things that we can do for, especially for a new post. Yeah. So talk about your system because this can be really overwhelming. So. I am a huge believer in systems and processes because that makes things so much more efficient. What is your system once you dig into a handful of recipes to redo? Once I decide which ones I'm going to make, I, I recreate that recipe, shoot all the, the photos that I need to make, um, upload them back to my computer. I go through and um, work on those images, make sure that they look the best they can. And then I, I start to edit those blog posts. Um, sometimes this can take, you know, a matter of days. Sometimes it can take a couple of weeks. So just keeping track of which ones I'm working on and then um, updating them as I go. Um, and then once I'm done, I go into that spreadsheet and I update that so I know where it is. Um, as if I've done a major overhaul, I do go into Google Search Console and I 
um, request a re-indexing of that post, it will happen on its own because Google is constantly going in and re-indexing, but I want it to happen right away. And then I track that system. And we need to remember that just because we've made these updates, it could take a three to six months before we see any traction on that. But I want to watch and see what the what is happening. One thing I do see often right away is I will start to see some traffic coming from um, Google Discover. And that has only happened once I've updated and making sure that those images are at least 1200 pixels wide. We are going to take a really quick break in this episode so I can tell you about a few things going on at eBlog Talk. Hey everyone, I'm just popping in to give you a little bit of information about the eBlog Talk Mastermind program. You've probably heard me talk a little bit about this before, but I wanted to give you a few more details because I've been getting some questions. So the Mastermind program is underway. However, you can enter the program at any time, assuming that there are slots available and assuming that you are a good fit. If those two things align, you can join the group and then you are in the group for a total of 12 months from the time you start. Also, I want to address who this mastermind program is for. It is for the blogger who is ready to make an investment in their business that will have the biggest impact out of anything you've ever invested in. It is for the blogger who's ready to level up their business growth, upgrade their peer group, and it is for someone who's ready to watch a powerful transformation evolve for you and your business. If you're ready to learn from the best experts in the industry within our guest expert sessions, and you're ready to make yourself and your business a priority, and you are ready to take back your time and move forward with renewed clarity and purpose and commit to your business on a deep, deep level, then this mastermind program could be for you. Go to eatblogtalk.com to join the waitlist if this sounds interesting to you. Um, you will fill out a short questionnaire and I will receive that in my inbox and I will get back to you and we can have a discussion about whether or not this is a great option to move forward with. So again, go to eatblogtalk.com and join the waitlist if you are ready to make this sort of investment in your business. Okay, back to the episode. Oh, the image thing is a huge one that I didn't know about until one of well, my audit recently too. I saved almost a thousand recipe posts worth of images at not 1200 pixels wide. So that has been something I've been doing over the past few months and it is laborious. So if you can do this up front, it will save you a lot of time. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's even um, when I look back just to posts that I created a year ago, it's probably when I first started creating images at 1200 pixels. So I'm having to go back and look at some of those. And for some of those um, posts, it's really what I consider an easier fix. I can go in and maybe recreate those images in my Lightroom, export them, add them back in at a different size, go through that post and just simply change the images because I have all the other components that I want in there. So those take me not as much time as doing a major overhaul. Do you implement the whole batching strategy when you're going through this? Do you ever like have a day where you just make, make, make and then have a edit day? Do you ever do something like that? I do. Um, it just depends on what is happening. Um, and I try to batch more in like like 
types of things like like doing the biscuits and gravy or I'll make two different muffins that are very similar except maybe have a different add-in ingredient. So some of those process shots might look exactly the same until I get to I'm adding in blueberries or I'm adding in raspberries. And so I will batch those types of um, um, recipes on the same day. And then I will have days where I'll just sit and try to get everything done. Um, sometimes my cooking days really depend on the weather days because I sh- most all of my pictures I shoot natural light. So I can shoot when it's gray outside, but it just sometimes can be a little bit more problematic. So that requires flexibility. So you've got to have kind of a backup plan, right, for those days? Right. Yeah, definitely. And those are great days to just jump on the computer and get some work done too. Yeah. I know I'm always, I shoot in natural lighting as well. And I'm always disappointed when I have a whole day planned where I'm going to make and shoot and then it's super cloudy or stormy and I can't do anything. But yeah, like seeing that as an opportunity to sit down and really get some other stuff done, edit photos or whatever else. What else do we need to know about this whole process? Are there any tips that you have that could make it more streamlined or efficient? Um, anything that we've missed, Kathy? Well, I think being flexible, like I, I said, you know, sometimes using those opportunities when you have them, um, whether it's just all of a sudden I realize I need to create something for my family or for a party or something. And is there something that I have that I can create, recreate that I need to use. Um, And then also just being flexible on the weather or anything else that comes up. Um, My personal goal is to update at least two posts, old posts a week. And sometimes I get more than that. And sometimes I get fewer than that. And that's okay. Um, So just you knowing that, you know, you have that goal, but have that flexibility in there as well. When did you start this whole process of updating? Um, probably seriously in June is when I really got going on, on it. Have you seen any traction from all of your efforts? That's a really good question. Um, a, a few things that I have discovered is some of the, tra- of the blog posts that I have that are getting absolutely no traffic from Google. When I really look into, I'll use key search and look at the keywords, um, I didn't understand a whole lot about keywords when I first started and really now I'm understanding keyword difficulty. Some of those are extremely high keywords with really high difficulty levels. So I'm still updating them. I don't know what type of traction I'm going to get because they're such competitive terms. But I have had a few that are probably higher than what Key Search says as my difficulty level that I have seen a little bit of traction on it. Um, and one of them was fresh squeezed lemonade that I was getting absolutely no traffic on. And um, over the summer months, I from just organic search, I had about 2000 clicks from that. Um, and it's still I think it's Oh, I can't remember exactly where it's ranking right now, but I have seen that. Some of them I'm also, I know it, it may take three, six, even 12 months before I notice anything. And then I may need to look at them and decide, is this something that I can still make some adjustments to, or is it something maybe I need to think about um, no indexing? When do you make the decision to no index something? I have not made that decision oh, yet. So I don't You know. have zero no index posts? <laughs> well, 
I guess the ones that I have had no index aren't recipes. They are more like the country living ones that I have. Like I had a, a, a post that was one of my favorites on there was about um, springtime on our little farm and it had all sorts of pictures of things that were happening, but there's absolutely no Google search traffic from that. And there probably never will be, but I don't want to delete that off. So I did index some of those types. Um, I am not ready to no index my recipes yet because I think I need to give it a full I need to give updating a full gusto on it and just see what it does um, and then reevaluate it later. So I was on a call yesterday with Casey Marquis. He was super gracious as he always is and came into um, the eBlog Talk Mastermind group. And so we just had access to him and we were asking him all sorts of questions about SEO. And one of the questions I asked him was that about no, the no indexed um, posts because I have so many because when I initially went through my content, I was like, no index, no index, no index, because I honestly just didn't know what to do with them. So I just did that. And he said something that I didn't know. So I thought maybe I would share it here. Google still recognizes those, like they still have to crawl those pages. So no indexing a post doesn't mean it's like out of sight, out of mind for Google. They do still crawl it, but then they're like, okay, we, we can ignore this. So that made me see it in a whole new light. Like I need to go back and figure out, do I want these to stay or do I want to get rid of them? Because they're still somewhat bogging down the site, if that makes sense. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I thought Um, so too. Yeah, I'll have to make some really hard decisions, I think, as I get further down the road with updating and really look at that content again. Yeah. There's a lot to think about when you have a lot of content. That I know for sure. <laughs> so many decisions and like, do I keep this? Is it worth it? I love this recipe, but are other people going to like it? There is just, it's kind of a, a heavy weight having a lot of content. I always say that newer bloggers who have like 200 posts, I feel kind of envious of them. Like, oh, <laughs> It's, it must be nice. But then on the other hand, it's like we have options. We can comb through our content and keep the good stuff and improve. And we have, um, we're often sitting on gold mines because we have so much content that we can improve. So just a matter of perspective. But sometimes I feel really bogged down by my heavy content site. It can feel very overwhelming. And then that's where I think we just take it, you know, one post at a time. Um, and it helps to have that spreadsheet and to see where where we're going with it too. Well, I'm happy to know you're on this journey and I just wish you the best of luck with updating. I hope that all of your new, your updated content just gets a lot of traction and that you see a lot of progress in the coming months. One last question before we say goodbye. How do you um, balance this with like, a, you know, creating brand new content and also we're in Q4 right now. So how do you balance this with managing Q4 and all of the traction that we get here? Is it harder now than it was maybe this past summer? Wow. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm still creating new content and my goal there is also to have new two new recipes a week. Again, I have that flexibility. So I try to do two new recipes, two new updated recipes a week. As far as Q4, um, I'm trying to optimize as much as I can still right now of looking at what I know ranked really well last year, looking where it is right now. And are there some small tweaks that I can do with it 
right now on a post to make sure that it's going to rank higher. There's a few where I really need, you have to weigh back and forth of, do I want to make that update right now? Because when you do update, sometimes you will see a slight dip. Um, and then usually it'll quickly come back to where it was and then hopefully better. But it's a bit of a risk to update something, especially if something's doing well. You don't want to lose it, especially going into Q4. So I look at all of those, but some of them just really need a few more things added in there, whether it's just the recipe tips or that frequently asked questions at all. Just go ahead and go on into a post and make it better. I think what's really important is that we're always looking at what's best for our readers or our users. And if it's something that's going to make it better for them, then probably go ahead and make those changes right now. Oh, that's the ultimate guidepost, right? Is this going to make the user experience better? Well, we can get really caught up on what, what does Google want, but really it's what, what do our readers want? And so, um, and, and they do go hand in hand. So we keep that in mind as well. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, is there anything we missed that we need to touch on before we start saying goodbye, Kathy? I don't think so. We've covered a lot. So hopefully if you're listening and you have some content to comb through, this has given you some great ideas about how to get started. Kathy had so many great tips. You gave plug-in ideas to um, just all kinds of stuff about moving through your content in an efficient way. So thank you, Kathy, for being here and sharing all of this. Thank you. This was super fun. Uh, before you go, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share? Uh, my words of inspiration come from my sister, who is an ultra marathoner. And when you ask about how does she do it, she says it's one step at a time. And so I always think about whatever we're doing, whether it's running a race or doing a big project or updating blog posts, it's just one step at a time. And we just take it one little step at a time and eventually we'll get there. Oh, I love that. What a great analogy too with the running and just literally taking one step. Right. Um, we will put together a show notes page for you, Kathy. So if anyone wants to look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash beyond the chicken coop. I love your blog name, by the way. (laughs) So great. Um, So tell everyone again where they can find you online, Kathy. Right. So my website is beyond the chicken coop. And on Facebook and Instagram, I am beyond the chicken coop and Twitter. I'm beyond the coop. Oh, okay, cool. Well, thanks for being here, Kathy. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. Thanks, Megan. Bye. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.